1: And welcome to the AEW Dynamite Review. We are the Deadly Boys of What Culture. I'm Adam Wilborn, joined by Michael Havrela and Michael Sidgwick, here to review everything that happened on last night's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to what Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and YouTube, <sighs> where we do daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Collision, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2.0. Oh! Pay per views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a big quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, they're joined by Hamlet and Sage Week to review last night's Dynamite Sage. What did you make of the show?
4: Um, as succinctly as I can say it, I was way, way more encouraged than mm. I was blown away, but I was very encouraged. Like, I don't think this is an absolutely fantastic, must see episode in and of itself, but it was just. Uh, Just encouraging, Mm. certain plot developments, certain approaches to things, felt like a low key response to criticism. That wasn't just, you know, here's some match graphics or Mm. whatever. And I just felt like they were trying to really get some basics uh, correct here. Yeah, it didn't pull the rug out
2: from underneath everything going on, did it? We did the preview yesterday and we talked about MJF's tweet in which he sort of, what was it, restore the feeling? Yes. It was his quest to restore the feeling. He didn't you can't just do that on a wrestling show we were saying well a lot of people don't want you to just drop the devil for that, and you can't just well you can you but can't. it certainly you ruins can't. a lot of other things uh and I yeah, I'm Sidric. like I think contrary to uh what some people believe, I don't think we've been anywhere near as low on a w as consensus, like added ups and downs last week with hardly any downs, Sidge today the same eight and two like I think these shows are not as terrible as they sometimes first appear by their awful segments
1: hmm. Yeah, like you say, I think signs of encouragement on this show. Nothing, well, elements of blowaway stuff as always with with in ring with AEW. But yeah, nothing astonishing, but nothing that was so outright. Oh my god, what are you doing here? Uh, but I'm sure we'll maybe, get into maybe, it. maybe one. We'll get into yes. I was going to say into it in due course. Uh, let's start at the beginning of the show with uh, the latest match in the Gold League of the Continental Classic. It was John Moxley versus Jay Lethal. Uh, I think a match. I assume. Looked fairly obvious going in of who was going to win, but they did a very intriguing bit of booking in terms of, well, you talked in the office today about Moxley being in trouble. Well, I'll let you get into that in a second. Because early on, uh, Lethal targets the legs. He puts on a figure four. They roll to the outside. That bum always looks like it sucks because you just legs wrapped together. That's going to hurt. There's angles on that. That's going to hurt. Uh, Lethal's in control. Hits a dive, but does a bit of a strut, and that allows Moxley to hit a dive of his own. And looks Really, I don't know if this was planned in advance, but the way he landed and sort of <laughs> jerked his leg back, um, which Danielson on commentary uh, pointed out, um, was something that Lethal then zoned in on. Knee breaker, dragon screw. Uh, another knee breaker, followed by a top rope elbow for a two. Um, Moxie goes out to the apron and Lethal sends him into the front row to take us to a break when we come back. Moxie's in trouble, a sort of desperation cutter uh, gets him back into it. Lethal goes for another dragon screw off the second rope. Uh, He goes for a dropkick, does Lethal, but Moxley sidesteps it and hits him with a big King Kong lariat. Goes for the uh, Death Rider. Lethal counters into a Lethal combination. He wants a figure four, but Moxley counters that with some roll-ups. They trade counters. Lethal gets him in a figure four, but Moxley gets to the ropes. Um, Lethal kicks the leg out of his leg, goes for the Lethal injection. Moxley collapse, uh, uh, but he was uh, sort of playing possum a little bit. Hits him with a lariat. Pile driver, rear naked chokes, a submission victory for Moxley, a harder task than we env- env- envisaged.
4: Yes, I was not blown away by this match. Elements of it were a bit dry and boring and logical, and it wasn't really electrifying, and there was very, very little drama, I would have to say. I know they tried to tell the story, I just never really believed it, but. Conversely, I'm glad that story existed, potentially for future use. This was, across the first 20 minutes, I I thought really encouraging. Again, that is the theme of the Mm. day. Uh, Sign ahead of uh, the Continental Classic. I've watched John Moxley for 4 years in AEW and he's cursed as is every single person who has ever been on episodic TV ever. At some point you're going to get a bit bored of someone you watch mm-hmm. 52 weeks a year, multiple years. Absolutely no one ever has ever been immune from this. Even wrestlers you like now or who are hot now, they go through it. Everyone goes through it. It's the it's the inherent flaw of the model. I'm there with Moxie right now, unfortunately, which is such a shame. The guy's still incredible. Mm. He's like one of the best ones you think from afar. Um, but in this match, which I again didn't think it was electrifying, it was logical and well told. And I think Moxie did a good job selling it as well. Um, I'm praying to give some sporting heft to this tournament, and we got a little bit of that. I cannot wait. To put over what we saw immediately after this match if moxley decides to sell that knee throughout we could be cooking here mm. that's sport that as well it's wrestling as a pseudo sport um and just light watching him not be this sort of cold almost indifferent feeling mercenary badass who's mean and tough and I'll kick everyone's ass like John moxley there are a bit of the Bob Hollies about him in mm. 2023. I'll just beat everybody. He barely even talks. It can get a bit repetitive, redundant some of those wins a lot of the time. Just that flash of vulnerability I enjoyed, mainly for what it means going forward rather than in the moment. But also, I liked him outsmarting people. I missed the John Moxley. He will tell you how he's going to beat you, hide how he's going to beat you, and then beat you. It's mm. the idea of like, Again, I don't like the tweener mocks. I don't like the heel mocks. That whip smart babyface who can play possum or can sort of like um bait his leg as he did throughout here. I've missed babyface characteristics Moxley and we've got more out of that even if the match was there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I realised with Moxley selling here
2: that I'm very willing to buy into bit of a lie of the Continental Classic. The obvious comparisons to the G1 are rooted in the fact that this is tournament wrestling and, you know, you've got to get the most points, but you've got to go through real physical hardships in order to do it. But the G1 does that by making wrestlers wrestle every other day, or you're always on That you're traveling to the next show where you're going to wrestle and then you're traveling to the next show. It's like mm. an r- unrelenting schedule. It was key to the John Moxley, Kenny Omega thing. You couldn't cope with the sheer force of will that you have to have to get through this tournament and stay fit and healthy. Did did John Moxley win that G1? No. I did. First try. First try. Indeed. The Continental Classic features AW wrestlers wrestling on identical schedules to the schedule (laughs) that they keep. It's a a once-a-week thing. (laughs) Yeah. But wrestling's a work, right? So by John Moxley getting injured here, like he hasn't done, to Sidgwick's point about his vulnerability or lack thereof. Every week in 2023, it's suddenly put over the tournament as like, slightly harder work than your standard weekly AW Dynamite match. So I can totally buy like I'm not saying this from a cynical approach. I am, like, open-hearted to the idea of, ah, oh, this tournament, these matches go a little bit harder because people want it a little bit more, so this isn't your standard. Go to work, win a match on Wednesday, see you next Wednesday. This is different different right And Moxley suffering the consequences of that puts this, as we, we get with Kingston next, puts this tournament over as not just a turning up to wrestle once a week. It's smart booking to try and... Elevate the, like, sort of like the status and the aura of the tournament, which was pretty much our biggest criticism of it last week. Mm. So, like, a hu- I didn't think much of the match either, but a huge step in the right direction psychologically because everyone can sort of tell their
1: own version of this same story. I know you're excited about what came next, Sige. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see post-match comments after uh, Eddie Kingston's lost to Brody King on collision. He's sort of slumped in a hallway, uh, and he says, basically, maybe I got a little bit cocky. Uh, heading into this tournament putting all the belts on the line making it a triple crown you know i've got i've lost and i've got Brian danielson next i'm kind of behind the eight ball but no i'm not going to complain i'm going to be humble in victory humble in defeat um i've got danielson next let's get healed up i'll be ready Uh, And then they cut to commentary. Yeah, Brian Dinosaur was on commentary uh, throughout the evening. And uh, he's got no sympathy, basically. He says, look, I was initially really impressed by uh, Eddie's confidence, putting all the belts on the line. And then he's taken one loss, and now he's behind the eight ball. I fractured my elbow bone in two places. I needed eye surgery. I'm coming into the tournament on fire. I'm not behind the eight ball. I'm coming to win. I'm not going to be humble in victory or defeat. I'm coming to win this tournament, and I will be the first AEW Triple Crown champion.
4: Thank you. I needed this. I needed this tournament to feel like a tournament. I needed the stakes to feel absolutely like Eddie Kingston, the character is facing this dire situation already. And so much of this is yet to play out. I couldn't have loved this more. First thing is that I kind of want to see maybe it's just the new Japan marking me. I want to see post match. I have just been destroyed. I'm sweating. I don't look great. Straight after the match promos every single week on this show, mm. like make it. I don't want it to be glossy. I want to feel the wrestlers' exhaustion, fatigue, yeah, they did pain. A bit of a super cup that, didn't they, on Collision
1: after last week? I need so, more of this. Yeah.
4: Not. I want it to extend beyond the Continental Classic as well. Just yeah, sell what it is. Don't have everyone looking glossy all the time. Mm. Great. Like I just love that. You really just believed in that moment because of the way in which it was presented, which was really inspired. You didn't just see all of this and oh here's Renee. Paquette back with Eddie Kingston days later. I really enjoyed that touch, specifically in the context of this tournament and his promo. And I just loved as well how already he's got a six-pointer. And this is early. We're not even at the the, the huge stakes yet. And Eddie Kingston is the likable, before it turned into what it did now, the likable Newcastle United team of the mid-90s. Shut up, man. <laughs> Everyone does. Everyone, everyone loved them. Everyone's second team. Even yeah. Hamlet's. <laughs> Absolutely not. And I will not have that going on a podcast. <laughs> and they are, that 12-point lead, oh, it's going away. I like that bit. That 12-point that lead is going away. And Brian Danielson, you know, there's probably other sporting analogies. He's the Chicago Bulls of the 90s. Mm. He's Manchester United. He's Sir Alex Ferguson. He's that uh, arrogant athlete who knows how good they are like the, the Michael Jordan mm. or Djokovic, mm. right? And he needs knocking off his <laughs> perch. <laughs> and he's not gonna, you're not going to do it first no. time, or you shouldn't. But at the same time, Kingston, he can't lose two of the bounds with one of the belts. Couldn't have loved this more. And I'm fired up, genuinely. I Me, I am fired up for Kingston Danielson on Saturday. Sunday, I can't wait to watch that on Sunday morning, genuinely. Cannot wait. I'm setting the alarm. It was a subtle pivot in the
2: stakes here, and I think they're going to get to go back. That's sport, baby. (laughs) Well, (laughs) it's sport, right? And sport is for prizes, and the prize is the Triple Crown. But that never, ever really felt like something worth winning, which was a huge problem, undermining how they were all talking about the Continental Classic. And... Eddie Kingston, in one backstage promo, made you realise, oh, you're the one that's got the belt, so it's actually about you. Mm. It's about Eddie Kingston. Now, that surprise that I'm invested in is like the, the soul of Eddie Kingston, basically. I'm more invested in that than a belt that you haven't even had designed yet and hides under a sheet and these two titles that are pretty much meaningless to me. Now, right now, it's with Eddie Kingston, but because it's with Eddie, it's going to go back to the belts, so that gets the Triple Crown prize over as you follow Kingston through the tournament. So I think they've done a fantastic job here, not just of make it, and Brian was superb. So the basically two of the best talkers have talked to you into wanting to watch them wrestle. That's the way you're supposed to do all this. But the prize itself, which is going to help everybody else in the tournament, is now bigger than it was before. It's Kingston's um belief in himself and it's Kingston hopefully recovering and making a go of it in this tournament. And it's also the prize that he's gonna fight for. We would assume probably as far like to the end, to the mm. semifinals at least, I care more about this tournament over the course of like two guys talking than I did at any point in the first six and a bit
4: matches. Yeah, like this was like this was thoughtful. They knew what they were doing here. The timing of this is so wonderful mm-hmm. because you know it's going to peak higher than this. Yeah, mm. earned me some trust, some sporting motifs. The desperation, love it
1: because, like you say, you can't afford to really go too down. But when it gets to the that point, you, it? when it gets to the point where it's like. Oh no! Literally, you lose this game and you're out of the tournament. Mm-hmm. How desperate are people going to become? How how much of a oh, that's kind of cutting corners? But you know, the only thing that history remembers is whether you won or lost. Really, so you know, people are going to look at Danielson and go, "Got a hurty eye, have you?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm suggesting that that's going to be Kingston, but the desperation that's going to creep in across everyone, apart from the losers who are probably going to go 0-5 in this yeah, tournament. Yeah. Be
2: mirrors the Punk match and he does a before the belt hurricane to Brian's
1: broken eye. Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> screams. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of conflicted <laughs> with what came next because it was like exciting and they, they sold this big final match for Sting but I also got three old men kind of waffling on at the same time.
2: Weekend at Rick's.
1: It was Tony Giovanni, he's, he's talking about uh, AW Revolution and they announced it's going to take place March 3rd, Greensboro Coliseum, obviously the history there uh, for, for Sting, many memorable matches and of course Sting and Flair 35 years ago uh, and he brings in both men, uh, I should have done the maths on the combined age on screen here really, and uh, he talks about Sting's incredible, is he 24-0 record in AEW? Never had a title shot, and um, this is what we're doing. It's like I said the other week. That he Young, heel Young Bucks
2: versus Sting and Derby. Or, say Sting. Or, or, or the belt on a heel and Sting fighting for the world title. Heel Young Bucks in Greensboro as well. That is that is the match. I think it'll be a singles world title, but I think that's the best. Split
1: match. second there. I thought he was going to say Heel Young Bucks versus Sting and Rick.
4: <laughs> I don't want to see Rick Flair again as long as I live. Um,
1: so, yeah, Sting says, like, I'd never guessed all these years later uh, after that first world title match. Uh, i be standing here with, with the two of you. Talks about it being 45 minutes commercial-free, really uh, original, first time that's really ever been done, and, and um, it always was a make-or-break night for him. Uh, he talks about Rick putting him on the map. He thanks both men. He says, this is a fitting place to end my career. And I'm like, okay, cool, there we go. See you, see you, see revolution. Uh, and then they sort of just keep going, and keep going, and keep going. Like, Flair talks, talks about, you know, I didn't make him, Sting made himself... Uh, I'm you know, I'm lucky to be standing here 74 years old uh, it's going to be one of the greatest moments of my life uh, Sting's last match Highway, Highway 85 is going to be lined up this is like glimpses of Ric Flair of old in there uh, and they sort of get it back on track by going oh Sting and AW are coming to Greensboro woo all that and Tony throws it back to commentary he just felt like it kind of lost its way somewhere
4: what yeah. a Ric Flair promo <laughs> that wasn't um, before 20 years ago lost its way are <laughs> joking yeah I hate seeing him but they're not allowed to get me with the Greensboro Coliseum. Yeah. So then they're trying. Maybe it's working. A bit of romance in my wrestling.
2: He's going to be an event. It's going to be, like, Ric Flair aside, it's going to be a really, really, like, quite beautiful thing. I I think they might, like, sod the tag match, sod Darby Allen. I think the, the heel will be the world champion by then. Might, they might just go for it. Sting's one and only singles match, and it's for the heel books for like you uh, want the best the match. possible yeah. match. You need Derby to create that movement. It's going on last as well, I think. And sure, as it like shows. it's the whole show. Yeah. Shape it around. There's no stories that are going to be that hot and peak that high by Revolution that you might. The as young well. Bucks might need this. Yeah, you might as well just go with Sting all in for the promotion for this pay fee. Two
3: hundred
1: and four years. Two hundred and four years. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> <to> by an age <laughs> of Cambridge, thank you for that. Two hundred one nice. of those are Rick Flair. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did see, by the way, uh, Adam Blair at Adam Wilton 4, who usually takes care of the... Um, Dada. Thank Dada. You for uh, Ladies Night, which is... <laughs> I saw the red light. <laughs> still still coming. Uh, red light, light indicates Dada secure. <laughs> uh, he said he's booked his hotel. He's, he's going there. Well, yeah. well fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. That's uh, And then we got another Gold League match in the Continental Classic. It was uh, Mark Briscoe versus Roosh, who uh, chopped the crap out of each other. <laughs> Basically. I love Roosh so much, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, back and forth slugfest to kick us off. Uh, Roosh is trying to do a pose, so Briscoe just clotheslines him out to the floor and flies through the ropes with a drop kick. More chops. Roosh sends uh, Briscoe into the barricade. Briscoe responds with a back suplex onto the edge of the barricade and a diving elbow off the apron. R.I.P. Mark Briscoe's hips. Um... They trade thrust kicks. Lariat double down. Uh, We go to picture-in-picture when we come back. Briscoe hits an exploder. Roosh hits a backdrop driver. Goes for bullhorns, but uh, Briscoe fires out of the corner with a spear. Goes for the J driller Roosh escapes. Uh, So Briscoe hits him with an enziguri. He uh, sends Roosh to the apron. More chops. Um, He uh, hits Roosh with an overhead throw to the floor. They fight in the corner. Um, Roosh gets knocked off uh, the turnbuckle. Risco hits the froggy bow for a two count. Roosh again gets out of the J driller. Overhead throw into the ropes. Bulls horns. One, two, three. Roosh
4: gets three points on the board. God, Roosh. God damn it. (laughs) Love him. (laughs) Roosh is the wrestler probably just by his merely existing. Makes me go. (laughs) He's the one. Just bleed. If I went like that on someone's chest, I'd think... Indeed. <laughs> Roosh, with that exact same physical, just does a better chop than Gunther. <laughs> he doesn't, but nearly Pretty good. half yeah. the time, after actually. Maybe it's a very close call. Like, for f- the first four minutes or something, I'm thinking, when was the last time I watched a back-and-forth TV match, which, these days, is very patterned. Very, You just know how it's going to go. You know you know any of the finish. You see them do certain... Sequences, and then obviously the signatures, and when they do them, and then maybe the second time, and then reverse finisher. You could basically, if you just sat and just like I don't know, try to get out of the moment. You could analyze it. You go right there, you know, we're four minutes away from the finish, three minutes, two minutes. For the first five minutes, I just like, gonna end now. Mm. I'm really locked in. This action so believable. It's so intense. It's like ferocious. Like, what if they just did 7 Hogwild minutes? <laughs> and then Roosh got what... If he's, if he's selling that leg in that way and he's making me feel like, oh, God, is he going to finish this match? I don't think he is. He's probably took a knock. If he's selling that and it's mm. a complete fabrication, a complete work, strap him up. <laughs> I'm living and dying with my man, Roosh, he's amazing. <laughs> but when he did get the leg injury, this slowed down. But... So it's gone from this absolutely ferocious, just, just bleed sprint. And then the legendary happens. Mm. Then it becomes this like accidentally good match where you're kind of like willing them over the line mm. to get it done. And I'll tell you what, like you can call Mark Briscoe a master without any hyperbole whatsoever if you look at his body of work for the like, over this century, right? His ability to like just, it didn't ever look like he was just maybe at the odd time. But mostly, he didn't really look like he was just waiting for Roosh's leg to get better. Mm. Like he knew exactly when to sell, when to kind of fold and collapse. Like he just—I think—he deserves all the credit in the world, Mark Briscoe, for knowing where I can. Luckily, those four, first four minutes went as hard as they did, because I can do like a delayed exhaustion sell here and just kind of do it as I'm waiting for Roosh to get properly back into it. And I tell you what was awesome as well is that you've got Roosh... He's basically on one leg for what 60% of this match, 50% of this match? And then you're thinking, like you saw Samson out there, you're thinking, Jesus Christ, this is a uh, has this gone a bit awry? And then he just bashes him power back into his leg, gets the adrenaline flowing, and somehow contrives to hit a bull's horn. Yes. That I'm thinking, how one, well, how did that not concuss Mark Briscoe, <laughs> bloody up his face? It was the, the impact was amazing. Brian Danielson lost his mind. Yes. And it's one of my favorite things ever when you've got an actual worker and (laughs) Brian Danielson's one of the best workers of all time. When you can get someone who knows how it's done, who knows how to make it look like Danielson does Mm. and have him of all people, the most foremost authority and how to do these things and make them look deadly. If you've got him like sincerely losing it, (laughs) And going, oh my goodness! Look at that. I t- there's nothing more impressive to me when there's a commentator who's a worker who loses their mind and actually is into it, calling for people's
2: heads on commentary tables and disciplinary panels. He's got the lot, Brian. <laughs> the my expectations. I'm such a bitch, man. It's always uh, everyone
4: except CM Punk who's to blame, isn't it? The grass isn't greener; it's burgundy. Uh,
2: <laughs> my. Uh, my expectations a violent sociopathic thug. Oh god, everyone's such a loser. My <laughs> expectations this match were measured because I'm a dumb ass. Like I really was thinking, oh, this is not the right week. This is not the right pairing. As it's great, always the right week for this. As great as they both are, this oh, I was just miles, miles off. Um Mark Brisk, I don't have anything to add on Roosh, Like, but I love him just the same. Like he's that Guy right now, Roush. I think he's force of nature. So valuable for this tournament as well because there are going to be weeks where like the fixture doesn't feel quite as from fulfilling. the first
4: Roush Mox match, yeah, last year.
2: Like oh it, my god, he's perfect for this. Such a perfect addition. Mark Briscoe as a babyface, like he's a, he's a WWE dream in a way that they can't train. They want their wrestlers to find hard cameras, find people in the crowd, find that emotion. Mm. That, like, Dusty Roads, we know, would train out of people, would find in them, and they just, like, stole it and thought, well, there's a big camera. Like, I'm doing now. Look at that. Mm-hmm. And then, like, pull a face, and that's how they'll emote. And it's all wrong, and it feels fake. Briscoe does that naturally. He does that. Like, he absolutely pulls you through the screen for him. John Cena and he was like, well, if I call my spots loud, then somebody in Rosehead hears it. You've missed the point, John. Yeah. Like, Mark Briscoe
1: is wrestling like that the actual mm. way you're supposed to do it. I'm as shocked as he is when people kick out the froggy bow.
2: Yeah, like, he's, oh. na- he's nailed that. It's so just... Like, it, it probably, and like, I'm as guilty as anybody else, like, we did not talk about the Briscoes enough, and we do not talk about Mark Briscoe as an all-timer. Mm. Like, really, when you he's sit down so and drill into it. great. This isn't just a guy that's been on TV a year. He's put 20 years into this. So, of course, he's as great as he is. Uh, and, again, I am viewing this tournament through someone like a Kingston, and now somebody through a Briscoe, as if it is as real as real sport gets. Please turn it around. Like, please turn this into a three and two, rather than a, like, I don't want you to get beat every week. I don't want it to be another Mark Briscoe, neighbor, like, neighbor so far story. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, I desperately will be willing it to win his next match, and that's the point of tournaments like this. Superb.
1: Uh, following that, RJ City's backstage with uh, Thomas Tony Storm, Luther, and uh, Mariah May. Um, she's annoyed about her acceptance speech being interrupted last week but she went out and partied at the compound with JFK or one of the Kennedys she's exhausted she's got a touch of the gout Uh, RJ asks if she's worried that she's got to defend her women's title next week Uh, and Storm name drops some Hollywood stars and said if they weren't worried neither am I Uh, and RJ takes off her shoes to end the segment which got me worried about how the internet was going to react to this (laughs) Uh, but I did pop when Taz was like hey gout's no joke guys what do you make of all this?
4: <sighs> she's literally playing someone from a different era in time. So timeless. She's like, out of time. Back in time, Tony Storm. i more like it.
2: <laughs> if anything.
4: No, I mean? It's stupid. It's absolutely stupid. So, like, she obviously isn't. She lives in the era of our Lord, 2023. Um, if you were... You know, someone like me, you know, exacting about the details or, you know, a complete and utter little (laughs) (laughs) c**t. You're asking asking questions that undermine the whole thing. And the idea of AEW is this real place with real people playing characters, but, you know, you can believe in them. It's like, should, should someone not get some psychiatric help or something? Like, you know what I mean? Brandy Rhodes is a teddy bear. Yeah. He needs to step in and do something about this. It's like, this is a, if if this is a real entity, a real organisation, as compared to the the synthetic one over there, Mm. right, which is their words, kind of, not mine. I think, come on, this is ridiculous. Let's get this poor woman some help.
2: (laughs) Is that then, would you say that Tony Storm, it's not so much the character it's? She's reflective of the big picture issues with an AEW. She's I, in
4: WWE, and they're doing this level of comedy, which is, qu- like, a timing's great. this made me laugh. Like, some of, I of think some some like, is the touch of the gout, and, you know. Yeah. This is in a more fantastical world, all for it. Yeah. But the, the dissonance is
2: too much for me. Good, well, this is it, because this segment, again, a bit like the acceptance speech last week, I, like, laughed, and I'm thinking, how have you done that? Like, the gout thing. It's yeah, really funny. Uh-huh. Like, and so as a result, I kind of have no problem with it at all as a segment, but I do see those exacting criticisms about should it live here? Mm. I'm glad it does. I want I think I want the Continental Classic followed by this on a single wrestling show. But I do understand their criticisms. I think it's way back on track from when it was a couple of weeks before she won the belt. Mm. I thought like this was done so. I didn't love the follow up with Mariah May. I thought her performance was pretty wooden and fake feeling. You talking about it now?
4: Yeah. Uh, yeah, Tony Storm was there. This is wit- wooden and fake for
2: But again, it's like, I think she... Like, Tony makes Storm's sense within the context of Storm's
4: yards herself. better. Yeah. Yards <laughs> better in her performance of this bobbins fake <laughs> stuff.
1: So what What they all about, Eve? I they're Which they
4: never seen seen of, and I do Is it as know. good as Tremors?
2: <laughs> I'm now wondering. I didn't watch it for Big research. Big Trouble in Little China. You know, I read one tweet. But like... Maybe Tony can't bother watching it, because it looks like we're just getting there right now, doesn't it? Like, Mariah May, annoyed about what Tony Storm said in the speech last week. Mm-hmm. Racing away to a title shot, or, or
1: Yeah, what? RJ's backstage there. She's hungry for more after coming off a run in stardom. Uh, and she's thankful, flirty almost, with RJ for connecting her with Tony Storm. Uh, You're quite the curator of people, says Mariah. Um, and uh, he goes, right, you go get
4: him. And she goes into... Tony Khan's office. Yeah, so this is all about Eve. Yeah, It's all about Eve. You know that um, AEW did like a Tremors one as well, which is William Regal's run. (laughs) Was that a year ago? Was
0: that a year ago yesterday? (laughs) By
1: the way, did I say? Yeah, Triple B reveal, turn on
2: Regal. Yeah, but Regal knew it was going to happen, so he's the real smartest, funniest, and hardest. So it's all right. Yeah, what did you make of the Mariah? I didn't like this bit as much. See, it feels like they're rushing through something. But we'll see. Like, we'll let this play out for now, I guess. You might not be angling for a title shot. There might be a little twist along the way. I just thought there was a few more months in this rather than the next pay-per-view. as <laughs> it might now be. <laughs> the world's yeah. end. Yeah.
4: Remember, you thought there was a few more months out of an AEW storyline. Yeah. That's weird, because yeah. they all all gone four years.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile oh. can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... Uh, Right, MJF comes down to the ring
1: next. Uh, He's got a cane. He's got a partially torn labrum as well, as Excalibur mentions on commentary. He talks about his world title match against Samoa Joe uh, at World's End on December 30th. He says, Look, Joe, I don't like him as a person, but as a pro wrestler, I respect him uh, for believing in AEW, not just want to line his pockets. Um, He talks about getting a poster in the mail uh, from TNA and one person standing out in that company, the Samoan submission machine. He said uh, he wasn't the op- he wasn't awarded the opportunity to become world champion over there in WWE. Um, but he also proved the point that you don't have to be this male model bodybuilder to be a champion. He paved the way for guys like me. Without Joe, there might not even be an AEW. Uh, and he thanks him, despite the fact that it kind of hurts him to do so. He uh, did say, "Well, I'm I'm pretty decent as well." Uh, for starting a new alternative, I've helped build AW brick by brick since day one. I beat Rhodes, Punk, Danielson, Omega, Moxley. Uh, but of all the names, the one I look back and consider my look, myself lucky to have survived was Joe. Uh, December 30th isn't about Joe's legacy, it's about his own. Can Maxwell Jacob Friedman survive the final boss one final time he doesn't care if his left knee keeps sliding in and out or if his right hip keeps popping in and out of its socket. He doesn't care if he's, it's King Kong and Godzilla all together. He's going to show the world it isn't about the size of the dog in the fight. It's about the size of the fight in the dog. Uh, and if Joe wants to take what's his at world's end, he's going to have to put him down. And he snaps his cane over his leg. Uh, and then the lights go out or they sort of start flickering at least. And then in come masked men with devil masks. Uh, one's holding a bat to take out. Mgf potentially, but Joe appears and makes the save, and then the, the everything goes black, and then you see words on a screen. In the in the shadows, our game begins. Next week, MJF and Samoa Joe, will you face the unknown in a tag match? Are you a hero, Max? Uh, and Joe's like, don't do it. You need to be healthy for World's End. Uh, but MJF says he's sick of this Scooby-Doo BS. He'll ta- take out every single one of them. Mgf accepts, and Joe's not very pleased with
4: this. Everything before the devil stuff was really, really strong, I thought. Um, will you indulge me with a, a tortured football analogy? <laughs> oh, yes, please. Right, okay. Soccer. So MJF for a while now with that, like, I'm going to do mystery. I'm going to have loads of different, like, I'm going to line up lots of different challenges and I need to focus on them and spin those plates and build them all up. And I'm going to do the most fighting from underneath performance at full gear you've ever seen in your life. He's been trying, and this is good, fundamentally, if the execution isn't, he has been trying to score like, I don't know, like a 40 yard screamer every time. Mm. Or to use a basketball analogy, like three pointers, like everything that would make a highlight real. Mm. This time he's just realised I've got a very simple job to do. I'm just going to roll one in, mm. back of the net. Nothing too fancy, nothing too ambitious, but you just need that goal. He needed to score the goal, and this is what he did here. He cut the most one-on-one, classic, basic, simple, whatever you want to call it, promo of all time. He's good, or they're good, I'm just better. Yes. Or Mm -hmm. they're good, I don't care, I'm still going to fight with my bloody heart out. And that was this promo, and it was really, really well done. He couldn't have done a better job, really, of putting over Samoa Joe as this, like, transformative, formidable threat. And he had to acknowledge reality. is that this what, 10 years of Samoa Joe's career? That was just crap. And he's spun that because he's a carny worker, wrestler, yeah. promoter. And he has said, like, he should have. I know he didn't, but he should have, obviously, um so everything up until the devil stuff was just route one good mm-hmm. basic simple classic stuff that you need to be doing and it was so effective and considering the last few weeks like really refreshing this devil stuff I they're stuck with it it kind of just not do it because the only thing worse than doing like dark order and the creepers and the retribution is like um hornswoggle's the gm
0: <laughs> like this, that's
4: the that's the next worst thing hornswoggle's a gm or you know just whatever like what's another famous example of wwe just doing nothing with something or like taking and that they went on for freaking ages as well the anonymous gm that's the most preeminent, that's
2: the worst one yeah because they left it to die yeah and then brought it back to pay it off as <laughs> hornswoggle yeah yeah
4: so they kind of they're stuck with it and i will give them a tiny bit of credit here they've listened to people go, oh, so he's a hacker, or is he supernatural? Like, how is this devil, whoever it may be, just randomly appearing on the screen at the, at, at a whim? And then they've done the flashing lights. Again, it it was giving TNA. <laughs> it's giving Dark Order Creepers. <laughs> and then they've done the message on the video, and then the commentary team have explained that there's been some kind of internal hack or whatever, like, between technological hacker stuff and supernatural bobbin stuff. It's about there in terms of how lame are we going. Yeah. (laughs) So they've gone the level below. That is something, I guess. Um, But I think in MGF, basically hanging a lantern on, it's Scooby Doo BS. They know. They are telling us we know, which indicates to me that they have faith in the reveal. Yeah. They have big time faith in the reveal. But they are now at this point saying, yeah, visually it doesn't look good. I'll tell you what was a bit. A miss here as well, other than the presentation, which is basically everything in pro wrestling, um, is that I understand why Joe came out. It made all the sense in the world. Mm -hmm. Joe wants the best version of Max because he's a different deal. By the way, I believe that Joe can beat him at world's end. That's Mm. a vast improvement on the Jay White stuff altogether because MGF didn't make the promise that he'd win. He made the promise that he would try fundamentally different in terms of what they're signposting and sometimes telling you too much. Um, Joe helping him out because he wants to um, have MJF at his best, so he's got no excuses. His properties. Yeah, yeah. and Joe can look at himself in the mirror fundamentally the next day and say, I'll be the champion, Mm. fair and square, whatever. So I understand why Joe did what he did and saved MJF from this attack. The devil and his cohorts or whatever should have kicked the hell out of MJF like a long time ago. They should have really brutalized somebody, anybody. I understand they tried this with the acclaim, but it looked naff. It looked naff. Um, I think with the presentation and the aesthetic, you would struggle badly to believe in them. as this main event level stable or act, irrespective of what they do to one of the characters, but you kind of, you should try. Try. I, the scattering I couldn't make my mind upon. There was still four of them.
2: You know, like four on the. T- I know, I know, Joe stole the. Bat. There
4: was four of them. <laughs> Jesus!
2: <laughs> like, I, I couldn't decide if the scattering was what made them feel a bit more creepers' retribution. Well, the scattering of the lights. No, of the wrestlers. Joe comes to make the save, and I know he
4: pulls the guy. Oh, out and the they ring scream
2: back, and they scream. I was like, there's still four years. Mm. Like, you can get back in
4: and you can take control of this, and you can get exactly where you want. You can't, done, can't do that to Joe, given what they've said about Joey's Godzilla and King Kong. Yeah,
2: and I like Joe making the then save. Then
4: about
1: to take his licks.
2: <laughs> I dig my licks. I don't think so. But I like I found this whole segment. I didn't like the text on the screen but at first. But devil lighting, talking about AWIT support included, was a bit of a Dragon Gaiden Sega cleanup job of the devil mess, I thought. Like I honestly thought this was uh, MJF saying it's scooby doo the uh commentators trying to make this like apply it back to how this would work in real life. Why is a frigging devil? hacking into the TBS feed, like, would somebody at Warner not be really annoyed at their TV show? And, that you know, that to me was them trying to, like, square all this off a little bit, which has been necessary. And I enjoyed that they did it. Yeah, like, even though I
4: still think it's pretty lame.
2: Answer those critics and show that maybe you're still trying to apply a bit of pro wrestling thought to this, as we will get to next in uh, something that I don't think, I don't think I'm Chasing a, it might be a red herring, but I don't think I'm chasing a daft lead with the, the very next thing on the show and a specific detail about one of the wrestlers. Uh I was quietly impressed with this. Like it is a bit weird when Dahaka is like and these are devils and they've got like all of these sort of terrifying powers and they're in MJF's head and who knows what they're doing to anybody. Faces in a tag match. Like it makes me think of not so much early Anderson's back Scorpion, but it's early Anderson's Shockmaster. Not when he's falling over, not when he's like, the, you know, I know that's silly, but it's like, he puts that on and he's like, what is this man from Space and Time in the Future going to say? Hey, you want a piece of me? Like, <laughs> that's a bit weird. Because yeah. like, he not got some more like outlandish threat. Yeah. Come on, you want a piece of me? <laughs> like, that, you, you want a tag match? That feels a bit off.
4: Like, like If you, you could do Midnight Rock and Roll, Midnight's Rock and Roll, you could do, like, FTR, DIY, books Lucha Bros, in terms of how good the moves look. Yeah. If they look like that, yeah. it's a, a failure from the opening you, bell.
2: Like, if they're going to say, watch your back next week, we'll take you out, that's what they do, right? Yeah. They attack from behind, they throw people through glass, that's fine. Like... One of them might have to grab the, grab a hold. They might have to hold the tag. Remember when the D.A.N. debuted? Oh, God. And they no, have no. to, like, tag in and out. It's like the, like Aubrey Edwards. They might
1: oh. have to adjust their masks. Devil mask. You're not the legal devil. Like, you have to. It, that bit of it is a bit silly. The big thing that came to my mind the moment they said, let's have a tag match. Let's have a barnacle fight next weekend. <laughs> was, uh, do you remember in the aces and eights angle where they'd be like, the baby faces would get one of them and they'd be, like, holding him going, who are you? And I'm like... Take down the map. They've got like a thing <laughs> yeah. just pull that down. So, so next week, what's stopping them from just going? Take your yeah, take your mask off. Or and or, it, or it, not only that. After presumably MJF and Joe win, tell Joe to put one of them in the coquina clutch, and they'll kill them unless they tell them who the devil is. A match is r- potentially dangerous. very dumb. Very dumb. Dangerous. Potentially. Potentially. Dangerous, dangerous, dangerous. But hey, let's not step on our own dick for the preview. (laughs) We just did. Yeah. (laughs) Ow! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wardlow versus AR Fox, uh, to to your point, came next. Um, Fox arguably with the best performance against Wardlow since he returned. (laughs) Wardlow, that is, because he actually got some offense in. (sighs) Clocked Wardlow on the apron with a big boot. Big dive, somersault plancher. Uh, He tried that step-up moonsault from the apron, but Wardlow just caught him and went, all right. My turn now. Slams him on the apron, uh, and then the bell officially rings. Big Beal, uh, not not Ricky Stark's partner, as in a throw, uh, <laughs> from Wardlow on Fox. Chases him around, or stalks him around the floor, chucks him back into the ring, onto his head. Uh, Fox gets out of a gorilla press, takes out the legs and hits a 450, but can only get a one count. And he's like, did all that on a one count? I'm in for a long night, and yeah, Wardlow starts no selling stuff. Spine Buster, big wind-up lariat, two power bombs, massive senton, and a sort of last ride power bomb. Uh, and the ref just goes, all right, that that'll do, that'll do, lads.
2: If this is a red herring on this Wardlow thing, it's a very good one, and it's the aw you like and the one you want. He, I know, he comes out now and he looks really pissed off, and that's Wardlow's deal. He looks, grumpy, Wardlow. He looks specifically flustered and annoyed. I thought it was a little bit of acting from Wardler here. Mm. To go with his something about Mary hair gel, messed up hair... As if to suggest that maybe a, Under mask, a mask a mask has j- literally just been pulled off. And then he makes you go and rewatch the footage again, which I did. And the guy that's holding the back that Joe pulls out was a pretty stacked fella who could well be Wardlow. Like the body's like, again, you're taking a risk with this, aren't you? Because people are going to analyse this in detail. Mm-hmm. It's like, that could definitely be Wardlow. And now here he is. Oh, shit, I'm in singlet and like my hair's a mess and whatever. And that didn't go to plan. And now AR Fox is going to be wanting to suffer for this. It was a good acting job by Wardlow, even if it's not him. It's mm. a, a good... And we know, you know, that he's in this universe. I like that. And I want th- to... Sidgwick's very specific complaint, suspects. People that are actually involved in this. You're supposed to be thinking about it. And that's where AEW... I like it because it's like, who's in the mask? I like the mm. Fed. Who's in the, who's in the mask?
4: I just but want... What's in the box?
2: I want, yeah. What's in the box, right? I want mystery and skits. I don't want matches. And But what I'll, ideally you get is both. And... This made me question if, like, how involved is Wardlow and thus I'm caring about the devil and thus I'm thinking about it. The, on the aid, AR Fox's fall is pretty depressing. Like, I know it was a visa issue or whatever it was, but
4: like, this man was going to be working Wembley. And I think you need to. It's a visa issue, it's a withholding the truth so, issue. I, I think, anyway. You, From what I've heard and read,
2: I just feel like it's whenever you have a Wardlow run, like with. Ryback and others like him. You start with squashing jobbers, then you move up and you squash slightly bigger names and so on. I don't know. Like I just I felt it last week in the setup. I was a bit like, oh, all right then. Like AR Fox is there. It was the most stupidest of setups for this specific squash. And I don't think at any point AR Fox has been the right man for this mm. this thing. It, I just didn't feel as fun. I wanted it to just I wanted to enjoy and revel in Wardlow's violence and John Cruiser could have been. Yeah. I felt sympathy for AR Fox really more than I did like fist clenching. Violence for like bloodlust for Wardlow. Uh,
1: Excalibur, oh, they show us the footage of Dante Martin's horrible injury uh, in March uh, at Ring of Honor, of course. Didn't need to see it again.
4: And that's why they told you to turn away.
1: Yeah, uh, horrible, horrible. But the main thing is. Don- so, sorry, sorry be this by the way, this is really gruesome Zero Rehab. And here he is, right here. <laughs> like, welcome back, asshole. Did you. I, I missed all this, obviously, I missed the preview yesterday. Did you know the match heading into. Dante Martin's hometown return. Yeah. No, oh,
4: good. I'm glad I've got that button ready for you then, sage You know what? I'm gonna be nice. It was. This was <laughs> nice, so I'm gonna be nice.
1: Top flight in and action. Andretti uh, versus brothers A and Matt and Jeff Hardy. Ah, yeah. that was a good and nice thing.
2: He uh, didn't push the button while well, we've been pushing his buttons for years. <laughs> <laughs> think about that,
4: think about man. <laughs> Life is a soundboard anyway. He's learning something, man. <laughs> no! 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 Live, you get a b- 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 boner, you <laughs> die. <laughs> Jeff Hardy on the soundboard. Uh, That's got potential. <laughs> Don't suck my cat.
2: <laughs> Darkness to my cack. <laughs>
1: Uh <laughs> make um, <laughs> so early on we get signature Hardy's double team offense uh eventually Dante though gets the tag in huge bag
4: think about life's mysteries, man, it's a bloody, good queer. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it would work really uh, well. Life is a bloody good queen.
2: <laughs> I was stood at the top of that ladder and I just thought, I'm going to do it anyway. I'd <laughs> be really good with
1: and Sometimes you look at life and you think, is it door?
2: <laughs> um, Matt was asking me, you want pistachios or cashews? You going to finish those? I'll have these nuts. <laughs>
1: Sometimes <laughs> Matt kind of loses his way in matches, and I have to say to him, pay attention, please. <laughs> Uh Nice match. Nice <laughs> <much. laughs> what are you looking for?
4: Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on. We've got 23 minutes.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, folks, where's the lie? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, Dante comes in. Huge depth. Oh yeah, lovely to see that. Top flight double teams. It's been a long time since I've been able to say that. Action Andre comes in for picture and picture, uh, and the Hardys and Brothers A take over. Matt hates Andre with a side effect when we come back. Uh, Twister Fagus. <laughs> Me cow- and Matt versus the Young Bucks.
2: Not another one.
1: <laughs> 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 Sorry, what uh, double down <laughs> I was doing a U I couldn't listen to that uh, I was like well, I'm in the buttons what are uh, we doing another hot take to Dante he <laughs> backflips out of the ropes and nails Zay with strikes uh, Jeff tries to get Dante on the apron but he hits a springboard crossbody and Zay um Zay actually sends both Martins into each other. Nearly gets a roll up, gets a two count, uh, and Zay launches off Jeff's back and hits a drop kick to send Darius to the floor. And they get Dante up in a doomsday position, and Zay springboard drop kick for two. Uh, but Darius and Andretti fights the Hardys on the floor. Zay gets hit with a shotgun drop kick, snap German spinning side slam. Dante Martin gets a win on his return.
4: I will say, right when I was watching Moxley versus Lethal, and they were doing the lower uh, left hand graphics for the matches. I did see that they were going to do Axe D'Andretti and Top Flight versus Hardy Party. And my initial internal monologue reaction was, no, (laughs) no, no, no. But But. Danny Martin's back. And it was in uh, Minnesota, wasn't it? It was his hometown, home state, whatever. And you're reminded, this is why people kind of fight for AEW more than they probably would for like, you know, the other promotions yeah. that they've sort of fallen out of love with. Like, this promotion just often does plain nice stuff. Even when, like, Eddie Kingston was de-pushed on television, they still was still give him, like, his dream matches. Mm. I mean, he's worked Shibata, he's worked Akiyama, they've, had, they've arranged to have him meet Kawada. Like, it's just a nice company, fundamentally. Mm. This is a nice thing for them to do. And I thought, for reasons that were inadvertent and on purpose, I had a good time with this match. Like, it was all built around Dante and Martin and his hot tags, as it should have been, and they were amazing to see. He was sharp, at ease, confident. Just really enjoyed watching him do what he does. Watching Top Flight together do what they do. I and, you know, actually, Andrade was there as well. And um, also, <laughs> also, right, here's the inadvertent element, right? Near the finish, when they're doing like tandem moves and the aerials, and then, oh, last-minute saves, right? realistically, the Hardys could have been, you know, completely aware of what they were doing, right? And they might have timed it perfectly. There's never any doubt, right? But, like, they're so slow that when the layout called upon them to break up a pin, I'm thinking, oh, God. Yeah. Like, because it's the Hardys, (laughs) and I don't necessarily trust them to be able to move, Mm -hmm that when they did the like the 2.99 kickouts, it was like a Carter of Dominion 2018. You know what I mean? I'm like, can you get there? I, I don't believe that you can get there in time. So it was like this inadvertent, super dramatic match almost by Run, the finish. Running by a tortoise. Yeah, <laughs> come on,
1: help. Come on. I did think, you know, they did a the bit where like, it's one of them goes like on their hands and knees and the one jumps off on their back. The one on the hands is like, oh, thank God for this. Oh God, actually, I'm just a platform
4: for someone else. I forgot about <laughs> that part stores his head in. This is running. It's like two point nine two point nine nine heading for nightum. <laughs> no, I mean that's what was like that, but like not the good kind, but a kind yeah. of it. So uh, I'm the one who's being a cynical dickhead about this really nice match. It was nice and I would agree as well.
2: Um sort of vital for top flight to be as good as they were in flashes here mm. because these injuries, they've been so unlucky. It's it's both of them that have gotten hurt, isn't it?
1: I'm right there. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It, like he, was like, it was, he was really cursed in terms of one would yeah. come back, and
2: then, yeah. Like, the, the the sort of injuries where a team like them could have been ruined, basically. Yeah. And oh, now yeah. they've both recovered. And on the first night back, it goes really well, did as you say. freaks. Yeah. Like can they still
4: move like that? It,
2: it was nice, and it was a bit of a relief to
1: watch this play out the way mm. it did. Uh, after that, Renee's backstage with him celebrating, um, and asks ask Dante about his leg before he can say anything, though. Here comes Penta. Uh, who says, Zero <laughs> man <laughs> Commander and Vikingo, they set up another awesome trios match.
4: Oh, this wasn't awesome, so it couldn't be another one. Yes, sorry. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I was nice about it, but it wasn't awesome. But, you know, Penta was the one who put them through it. and mm. That's nice. This yeah. is good. This is quite good. I'm
1: uh, uh, just double check. I'm the only winner. Yep, my God. Who could have seen this coming? Julia Hart versus Emi Sakura for the TBS title. It's time
4: to play, time to play the game. Time to play time to the play game. Play game. Ha, ha,
0: ha, ha.
4: Did, it, did, did it. Did it. Did it. Did it. it. Did it. <laughs> oh, bingo. We played Bingo. Yeah. Uh-huh. On the dynamite preview and all the collision review, where we basically went through. I think there was one very recent episode of AWTV that we were previewing, maybe Collision, at which time there was no mm. match for the women's division, singular, never <laughs> <for> plural, <laughs> announced, and we played. Bingo! It was like, oh, probably Emi Sakura. Yeah, it was Lady Frost on Collision, uh, and
1: then we said after that, this basically, like, there's a, we can have a wheel that we could just bring in following that. It's usually Nyla Rose immediately after winning. Oh, you know, title. like not
4: Wheel of Fortune, we we'll just established the conceit of this. It's yeah. Bingo! like a card like, with a grid and stuff. <laughs> so it's not a wheel, mate. No, but then we could just spin... They, they, it's they, not Wheel of Fortune! No, they, they,
1: they spin a wheel to pick who the opponent no, the is. Johnny Gargano over
4: here. <laughs> <laughs> Loves wheels. Anyway, so you play Bingo and like how to get houses? Yes. Yeah. You've got Emi Sakura... Nyla Rose, um, Rania Shafir, Tyler Valkyrie. No, no, she's already, she's having her. Um, she's had a Bobby Fish run, sadly, oh, wow. in it for ages. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> but there's like three or four. It's yeah. all like it's This is just the Statlander run. Mm. She had Secu- uh, she had Emmy Sakura in like a six minute match very early in the rain. Yeah, and now you know Julia Hart is as well. That's a bloody. It's a damn shame.
1: But this is under house rules. So, different. Uh, no submissions.
2: So d- no friggin' submissions.
1: They've worked so hard, and Julia Hart has worked hard with them
2: to establish a character that, like, she can cue, actually, and she's really, like, young as well. So it's like, wow. Like, she's actually quietly built herself up on the sly in matches that you've never seen on Dark and Dark Elevation, and she's got this actual killer submission move, and she's in this dumbass stable that decides to have rules that work against them in their big matches. Oh, God, I and hate know. it.
4: <laughs> it's the House of Black promotion
2: the House of Black Blackheart, stupid guys. <laughs> well, they are. They are. And Brody King was best off away from him because I finally watched that collision match over the weekend Oh my god! Oh man, kick ass! Yes, yeah. Brody Kingston
1: a, match. Kick ass. Yes. Get him away from his goth mates. <laughs> uh, so Hart hits an early handspring clothesline and pose. And Sakura fires off some chops because she's pissed off with that. Uh,
4: Sakura gets slammed. It's to such the a ap- lame wear so hard thing, hmm. isn't it? Yeah. With both hands time by not backs. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like yeah, you know, it's up to you. I mean yeah. we kick your ass regardless. We'll put the rules in your favour, baby face. Yeah. What? Well, uh, my house of
2: black rule of choice is that when we get in the ring, you have to lie down for four seconds. <laughs> ring the bell.
4: Yeah. Like, uh,
1: that's my I've chosen. You said I could have a rule. Yeah. I'm not Dolph Ziggler, eh? <laughs> you have uh you have to get a five count and I have to get a one count. Yeah.
4: It's it's so dumb. It's so stupid. And yeah, I hate that. It's not just dumb because you can uh, plot hole ridden. You can do these stupid games about which gimmick it would be. But like, it's like, how hard are we? Just uh, you know, do what you want. (laughs) We're still gonna kick your ass. (laughs) Bob Holly, (laughs) but (laughs) worse,
2: House of Bob, the House of
4: Bob, (laughs) House of Hardcore. I think that's trademark. (laughs)
2: Dreamers Company, isn't it?
4: H O F N H
1: the biggest ones are called Hobots. Yeah Hog yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. got sent into the steps and there's a low cross body to take us to break when we come back. Julia Sakura missed the top rope moonsault, hot heart, <laughs> heart and heartless. Sakura tapped, and the ref was like, "No submissions."
2: Brett they hit man hard,
4: <laughs> oh, <God. laughs>
1: <sighs> Yeah, um, Julie Hart got the submission, but there's no submissions. <laughs>
4: Idiot. <laughs> I, I, I think less of everything and everyone It's now. a good
2: job you've got magic goo because the rest of the rules is stupid. Uh,
1: well, I think there was some magic powers in, in play here because Hart hit a lariat to the back and it's like, oh, Sakura's in position for the top rope moonsault. And I thought, as she jumped, I was like, oh my God, Sakura's going to move into a better position to get hit <laughs> with the a moonsault.
4: Um, one, two, she just three. didn't want Julie Hart to... She didn't want to, like... That was the finish. Yes. Yeah. So she didn't want to like get pinned off nothing. <laughs> yeah. So she was like, "How can I look a little bit less stupid here?" All right. Okay. I'll willingly take a punch to the face equivalent of uh, uh, yeah. wretched. The, the, you know the, the heart s- retains. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible finish. Like and like a completely flawed stipulation. Total. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: oh, bingo. Um, I'm so, I hate it so much.
2: Yeah, just a shame, a real shame. Really into Julie Hart this year, and this... She's, won, give her. she's won a belt, at which point the booking fails you. <laughs> yeah, like...
1: Uh, well, before we move on, as that was the only women's match, uh, it's time to play the game, but not that game. Um, before we get to the name of the game, what's the aim of the game, Sage? The aim of
4: the game is to identify to the hour, minute, minute, and second the first note of the first entrance theme for the first women's wrestler to appear for the only women's match on Dynamite. And the idea is that nine times out of ten, it's usually in this slot, the penultimate match on the card. And it's just like time to get the bloody women out. And you know what they say? When the women come out to play, the men ain't too far away. It's basically uh, and I know you gotta watch women lads, but uh, sorry, it's alright, the main event's coming on soon. And it's hideous and I hate it. And we play this game every single week twice actually. Mm-hmm. Well once, but I do the thing twice. Mm-hmm. Just to b- bold, italicise, underline just how much of a pathetic, transparent optics exercise this is, and it's useless at that as well because it's even more obvious. That's the aim of the game. The name of the game is well, lists this is ladies' night, and I'm thinking, ooh, what a night! <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. done. You're going left and he
1: goes right every time. <laughs> uh, thank you as always to Adam. We oh, can never stand still. <laughs> I've got kids. <laughs> At Adam Wilton four on Twitter and Jose Palomares at the Ho Eleven, who always take care of the um, data. Thank you for this sort of thing. Uh, one hour, seventeen minutes, and forty six seconds. Is that you, Sid? You got that one?
2: That's a win for Sid. I think. I, think I, went, th- I went first hour like a mug.
1: You, idiot. Like a mug. you idiot. Stupid <laughs> idiot! He does say, honourable wow. mention to Adam Wilborn, whose guess of one hour, 27 minutes and 19 seconds was a fraction off the finish of the match. Do I get anything for that? Nope. No, you don't
4: oh, get okay. a goddamn thing. Uh, uh, yeah, we've already established that this is correct, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, uh, so I don't actually have to check my phone. I'm just doing it. Okay. Uh, seven correct g-
1: guesses for the year. For me, Hamflot's on nine. Sidge on 11, which Ooh, means... almost uncatchable. Almost uncatchable. I think we've got two more to play, so... Now got
2: to
4: get my name engraved on the trophy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: they could put the Michael in now, can't they? Yeah, yeah put That's the Michael it. in now. Yeah.
4: yeah. Uh, then we got the
1: we got the Mariah May bit, and then here comes Christian Cage, uh, who calls out Adam Copeland to come to the ring, and uh, I think it's his gimmick now. He takes his sweet time getting out there, basically. But he comes out, a security there, and uh, Cage is like, oh, I didn't want the security. Management said we had to have it. Actually, <laughs> piss off. Um, and he says, look, with regard to your challenge, December 6th, Montreal, we're not going to make it. But we're not going to make it because I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love them. Not because you took out the prodigy, Nick Wayne, or Lucha Kill Switch, and the crowd obviously react to that. Uh, he says, look, I saw what you did to them and I was so bloody angry. I got in the car and just just started driving. But then when I was on that drive <laughs> <laughs> and did a lot of, uh, lot of soul searching, a lot of reflection. And I uh, was wondering uh, how I got the way that I am. He said, I remember driving the roads with you, Adam, in Toby the Taurus. And uh, how we, you know, we had nothing to our name. We dreamed of making it big and becoming the greatest t- tag team in history, which we did. Uh, but it runs deeper than that. You of course, Adam, grew up with a single mother. You didn't have a father figure. And everyone's like, oh no, don't do it. He's like, oh, I might be the patriarch of AEW, but I'm not. I'm not your father. <laughs> I'm not <I> Edge's <laughs> dad. Such good crack. I love it. I'm not your father. I'm your brother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love him. He's the best. Said, look, my my you know, my dad was there for you. You know, he treated you as one of our own. Uh he's still your biggest fan. <laughs> Uh, I love you, Adam. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I know that before your mother sadly passed away, she wanted us to team together just just one more time. <laughs>
4: oh, what a th- He's the best.
1: Why don't we have one final run for Judy, <laughs> And Adam uh, Adam Copeland's like sort of overwhelmed with what he's heard. And as he's thinking about this, you just see Gage, put the mic down and just,
4: uh, let's get ready. Swat
1: this <laughs> bell into the back of with a belt. Goes to hit him, uh, but Adam Copeland kicks him in the cock and as Cage slides down, Copeland kicks on the mic and says, nice try, dumbass. Uh, why don't you shine that TNT title up real nice because next week she's coming home with me on one final thing. Go f*** yourself. And that was not censored whatsoever. In my, on my version, the bit afterwards sounded like the bit in Big Brother when they used to be like, oh, i can got to hear that <laughs> yeah. conversation. Let's go to the chicken coop. But they missed their thing completely. Play some bird noises quick. Yeah. yeah. But they completely missed the actual swears. I've, I've already heard it. Yeah,
4: um, I've seen everything. I've heard yeah. everything.
1: Match is official for next week. No, Siege.
4: Uh, this is, uh, I love this segment so goddamn much. Like What an absolutely incredible idea it was to mirror the first Copeland promo. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm a cynical guy, right? People see a three-and-a-half-star match and enjoy it because it's above average. I see something that isn't a four. Right, people see a push. I think, oh, never going to last. I'm just cynical, right? So maybe this is just my sort of, just my disposition manifesting yet again. But like, did you not notice that Christian Cage said all of these things after Killswitch and Nick Wayne have been taken out, mm. and there's no one, there's no one left to protect them? It's yeah. just weird, that isn't it? I mean, that's out ab- ab- that is two old pros telling. Like, impeccable heel work. Exactly. Like, what a worm. What a horrible worm he is. Trying to manipulate him by talking about his dead mother, right? That's that's the genius of Christian. There are actual layers to this. It's this absolutely sort of like sick soap opera. All of this, right? And he does it because it's like really blackly funny. The, you know, your dad's dead and all the rest of it. This is like an actual layer to it. Oh, Dad has thought this is absolutely magnificent the way they mirrored everything. And Christian Cage is just so funny, yet not so funny that you don't still think, oh, you little bastard. <laughs> like, you worm. Like The timing of this, I just thought it was magnificent. I cannot wait for this match as well. I think it will be really, really good. If it's more Christian than Copeland. This was the
2: proper stuff. This, like when he said old pros, this was in terms of construction and performance, right down how quickly Christian pivoted in the ready. The clock him with the belt, the second he turns his back. Every single aspect of this was... Why, in theory, you should get your hands on as many legendary figures as possible to help create these and then perform them. Wrestlers tend to ruin it by carny in their way into roles they don't deserve, but when it all goes right, you get oh, this, yeah, this is the benefit laid bare
1: magic, really, really good stuff. Uh, it was, yeah, it was the equivalent of begging off, like someone cowering in the corner and going, No, nah, like they say when he's all of his friends have been beaten up, but he's. Actually sitting on his shoulder, whispering in his ear, come on, what would your mum want us to
4: do? With? It's just... What a git. Just mad. I just changed his mind yeah. now of all times. I've had a think. Yeah. <laughs> now I've
1: lost everyone.
4: look I tried to appeal the edges. Copeland's corny side as well. It just took oh, her driving all that long. <laughs> <laughs> Told me the Taurus. <laughs> uh, and the main event was
1: uh, the final match in the Continental Classic Gold League for this week. Swerve Strickland versus Switchblade Jay Watt. Um, We got a Prince Nana dance, although with a crutch. (laughs) Uh, Strickland comes out (laughs) to the ring by himself after that, obviously. Um, and they White takes the fight outside early on, but Strickland fires back and launches him into a barricade, running stomp to the back off the apron. Um, But uh, Strickland takes too long to follow up, and Swerve gets hit with a DDT through the ropes to take us to picture in picture. When we come back, Swerve fights back. Uh, head scissors, rolling flatliner, spinning suplex for two. Uh, they both slowly get to their feet, and White hits a flat liner, dropping him right on his head. Um, White hits a snap German, and that allows uh, Strickland to recover because he takes too long. Uh, big old lariat for another double down. Uh, chop block to Swerve's leg, allows White to hit a urinagi for two. Uh, White almost gets sent into the referee, and just like last week, tries for a low blow, but Swerve being the fellow heel that he is, knows exactly what's coming. Catches it, hits a slam, hits the house call kick and the swerve stomp, but White kicks out. Uh, He bites at the hand of swerve, a sort of desperation blade runner out of nowhere, but the force of it spills Strickland out to the floor. White brings him back inside. They sort of trade near falls. They both go for their finishers. Um, They are banging on a commentary, I should say, by the way, about the the time limit and the the, the time announcements going on. I think we're about 15 minutes in at this point. You think, oh, okay, they're just going to go into an overrun. It's going to go to a draw. Uh, Why it's a sleeper suplex, but as he's going for the Blade Runner, Strickland out of nowhere, flash pin, roll up, one, two, three, Swerve goes to six points. Yeah,
4: um, weird dynamic, which kind of, I was removed from the match because it's like, you know, I'm not that much of a basic bitch. I've talked as well about how baby face and heels and it's all a bit, you know, antiquated. Realistically, mm. there probably should be a new way that wrestling should evolve because heat as it once was, is impossible, blah, blah, blah. As it stands, that's what they go for. That's how my mind's wired. So when you see two heels go at it, you still have that weird disconnect, like these very rarely work live. So this match was, they basically had to present it as a shootout, like, right? because it was structurally, like, couldn't work in the normal mm. way, if you Like, and it relied almost entirely on just total great execution. And the last five minutes were just so wonderfully executed in terms of the moves, like how impactful it felt, how gnarly everything looked. Um, so I really enjoyed the last five minutes, even if the last five minutes were d- disconnected from the first ten. Mm. So there's no real emotional heft. You're not stro- you're not watching anyone struggle. You're not sympathizing with anyone, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but the last five minutes were exhilarating. Relied on pure execution, and that's what they gave you. One more thing. If Jay White had it, he could be the best of all time. Unfortunately, he doesn't. Like, he does everything he's supposed to do, like, so immaculately. Positioning, footwork, like, even the little things where the idea is you don't want to walk into moves. You don't want to, like, and you see the absolute horrible extreme of this. Like, I didn't think it was as bad as X made out, but maybe I'm just desensitized to it. But that Wesley, Johnny Gargano sequence in the, in the Fatal 4-Way on NXT, when they're, like, doing that. Soulless dance, basically of, yeah. choreo- of choreography, like that was the antithesis with Jay White. Like he will flail and struggle and hate the idea of like panicked. I don't want to take this move. Yeah, like, he's really good at that. Oh, um, so this is well crafted for what it was. But what it was was a bit weird. But because it's these two, it transcended weird. I guess. Yeah, I was quite impressed
2: with this. I thought they'd go more pantomime, mm-hmm. and there wouldn't be the need to. Uh, even even have a wrestling match really, or find a heel and babyface by both trying to out cheat each other. The Jericho those, MJF
1: match.
4: Yeah, those are quite
2: ago, fun yeah. matches, and you can't do them all the time, and you can't necessarily land on characters that can justify it. Jay White has won his first match with. A I really low like that MJF Jericho one. Mm. It's yeah. full
4: gear.
2: Uh, yeah, twenty twenty. And it's like it makes good use of characters, doesn't it? Like Jay White won with a low blow last week. Swerve is swerve right now. You absolutely could have done that, and I thought it was quite bold to leave most of that alone and just try and out wrestle each other. Um, there's a sort of honour among thieves, mutual respect between the way they were wrestling it. I'm really intrigued in a good way with what they're doing with Swerve's booking right now. He has come out of the Hangman Page match as probably one of the hottest heels in wrestling. And on this trajectory that we have all projected onto him, this man has to win the world title. It feels hot when there is heat around a wrestler. There's almost nothing like it. You, It's inevitable. He, he had mm. that around him. And I was trying to think of a heel in wrestling history where they've then like, shifted slightly and used where he can give as this way to kind of, like, force you to respect them. And I was thinking about heel Sean winning the Rumble from number one. Like, it was a 30-minute Rumble and Mo lasted 20 seconds, but ignore all that. To win the Rumble from number one, I hate him, but he's good. And they're showing you through pro wrestling and pro wrestling alone that he's really good. This tournament is that for Swerve. Like, he has come off this match, top heel in the company, a champion elect in 2024, and then he's not going to be this crazy pantomime heel throughout it. He's going to remind you over the course of these matches that he can do, that he's mm-hmm. got the lot. And then after the tournament, or however the tournament ends, maybe Hangman costs him, whatever, something will occur that maybe stops Swerve winning, and that sends him off on his next direction. You are going to just have quietly inbuilt in the back of your mind. He's kind of the best wrestler as well. He's, mm. If there was one little bit that was undeniable, that is uh, that was still deniable, that is no longer the case. And I think that's... Like, that's what his purpose is in this tournament, and I felt it here. I think by the end, Swerves, if you didn't already think it, you're going to realise that he's got the lot, and that's what you want in a world champion if it's all elite wrestling.
1: Mm. Well, let's know your thoughts on AEW Dynamite in the comments section below, or on X at what Culture Well, Watch. they can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflick at... Michael Hamflick. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Uh, follow our brilliant producer at It's Adam Nicholas. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCultureWWE, uh, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Me and Sidgwick will be back tomorrow, of course, all going well to preview <laughs> AEW Collision. But for now, this has been the AEW Dynamite review. My anxiety funny to you? my th- <laughs> a bit. I think it's your delivery of it. Thanks to Michael Hamlet to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.